Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football, the Tuesday night live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every Tuesday by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of InsideTexas.com and On3. And guys, we're just, what, about a week away now from the opening camp? I mean, it's just right around the corner, recruiting still in full swing. And in fact, uh, Texas is actually hosting some prospects from out west today. Uh, Jerry, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what you've heard recently? Yeah, uh, two of the guys, for a, a trio of guys from modern day, and they had to visit now because they actually start this weekend. Um, so they got a lot of team activities this weekend. So the modern day guys in town, Jordan Davison, who, look, he may be the best running back in the country regardless of classification uh, to me. I don't know if Bobby's had a chance to watch much of him yet, but Jordan Davison is about as complete a back as I've seen, just the foot quickness in the hole the power, the contact balance, um, the vision, balls in the right hand going right, balls in the left hand going left. I mean, it's really textbook stuff with Jordan Davison. And uh, Tashar Choice has been on him over a year. Texas has been on him over a year. This is his second time on campus since January. There's Jordan Davison. I guess there's two running backs better. I'll have to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a stud. Um, he's very, very good. And then Marcus Harris, wide receiver, uh, for modern day, top 100 type guy in the country in the 25 classes in town. And I talked to K.J. Lacey today, Texas quarterback commitment from Saraland High. Uh, K.J.'s not coming into town Thursday or this weekend. He's going to come back during the season. Uh, I, I almost think that's what Texas wants him to do from talking to K.J., come back for a game, uh, maybe a couple of games. Um, but uh, he's told me those are two of the guys he's talking to and trying to help recruit for Texas. The other one's DeCorian Moore. Uh, five-star receiver out of Duncanville, Andrew Marsh, the high four-star receiver uh, out of the Katy area, and then Harlem Berry, uh, the running back out of uh, the New Orleans area. Um, and then uh, obviously Ryan Williams' teammate who's committed to Bama. But those are kind of the names that KJ gave me. So both, And he mentioned that both those guys were on campus in Austin. Uh, and then Texas offered, I guess they offered the uh, young edge player slash linebacker from modern day to day as well. So that that's three – uh, really talented kids from Southern California on campus. And we talked about this, guys. The two programs in California that you have to recruit if you're going to recruit the state of California's modern day and St. John Bosco. That's where the majority of talent's coming out of in Southern California right now in terms of numbers, having six, seven, eight guys in every class. Uh, so Texas uh, has their foot in the door of both those schools. Yeah, definitely lots of elite talent for sure. And uh, speaking of elite talent, you ran into, <laughs> into some uh, oh. previous elite talent, I guess you could say, uh, today, in fact. And I don't, I don't know if everybody out there saw the tweet, but maybe we can bring that up and you can kind of tell everybody about that experience and, <laughs> you know, what all that entailed. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Fort Bend Marshall this morning for their uh, kind of at football workout. Um and TJ Ford Academy, which I go to all the time, obviously covering TJ and knowing him for two decades now. Um, I stopped by TJ Ford Academy just to see who was working out uh, with TJ this morning. And it was it's pretty funny because I was like, T, I got to I got to go. I was just stopping by, left Marshall. I got to go write a couple stories. He said, VY is about to be here. And I said, OK, I think I'll stay. <laughs> so, uh, so VY walked in and. These guys started talking trash immediately. Vy, I was I told Vy I said I watched you play against Lamar, 
uh, at basketball uh, in high school. And he looked at me and said, I used to give it to TJ and those guys, right? He told you, right? And I was like, uh, no, nah, I don't. That's never been told to me. I'll be honest. Uh, but they, they, Vince's son is going to be an eighth grader at King Cade. Really good guard in basketball, plays with Rashard Lewis's AAU team. They're actually headed to Vegas tomorrow. Um, so Vince now has his son working with TJ, uh, Pop Ford, TJ's dad, and TJ's little uh, older brother at TJ Ford Academy. And, you know, you go in TJ Ford Academy any day of the week in the NBA offseason, you might see – I've seen James Harden in there working out um, with Sam Cassell, right? You see NBA guys come through there all the time. Um, you see a bunch of guys that play overseas, a bunch of really good college players, two Texas targets. Robert Miller in 2024 and John Clark in 2025 play for TJ Ford Elite. But, yeah, running into Bobby, would you say it's – I mean, I don't know where the Mount Rushmore in the Houston area is, but these two guys are on it. Well, for Texas, they certainly are. And I think they're probably on the Mount Rushmore of uh, Texas sports. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they – in those early aughts, I guess, of uh, 2000s, those two guys uh, headlined the city of Houston uh, and represented the University of Texas in Houston as well, or better than anybody possibly could. Uh, and uh, I, I was interested. You said that that it looks like Vince's son might be a good basketball player, huh? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I asked the VY, I said, you know, your son, obviously, I'll hoop in here. Does your son love football? He looked at me and said, he plays football. He loves basketball and he loves golf. Oh, wow. And I wow. said, interesting. <laughs> I said, that's very interesting. I said, I didn't expect you to say that. I'll be real. That was not what I was expecting to hear. Uh, but he said, yeah, man, my kid loves hoops and uh, loves golf. And for people that don't know, Vince may have loved basketball more than football growing up. Uh, you know, I mean, he was obviously looked at him, athlete, could play. He was a Division One basketball player, obviously. Um, but, yeah, so that's uh, that was really cool today. And it's always fun when you see guys like that because – Look, they made Texas, and I said it in a tweet, they made Texas a cool school. There, There's the kids coming through right now may not know Texas when they're really good, but their dads do and their moms do. And that's kept Texas in the forefront in some of these recruitments because of the parents' love for Texas. And a lot of that was watching TJ go to the Final Four and win the Naismith and Wooden and watching Vince Young uh, win a national championship. And by the way, that game is on replay midway through the fourth quarter on LHN right now. If nobody has seen it for the thousandth time. So, <laughs> hey, um, I appreciate uh, you guys talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, I think it's fun uh, that those guys are still hanging out together. Yes. We talked to Devin Duvernay yesterday, yeah. uh, Jerry. And uh, one of the things I thought was really neat is it's not just him when he goes back. Right. He goes back with his brother who played at Texas, talks to Malcolm Roach, yeah, uh, other guys, Shane Bouchelle even, who started at Texas, finished elsewhere. They still keep in contact with one another. That's part of the brotherhood and part of what sports is all about, right? I think that's that's another thing. Hey, guys, I need to say thank you to our sponsor before we get going on questions. Uh, and our sponsor uh, each and every Tuesday night is Energy Texas. Energy Texas is your choice for energy plan if you have an opportunity in a deregulated state like Texas. www.energytexas.com. It's Texas Electricity Done Right, 855-461-1129. You can also um, go on there and choose your own plan. Uh, each, and every, each and every month, you can actually change your plan to what you want to use that month. So if you're not going to be in town or whatever, 
gear down. If you're going to have the air conditioner blowing and going, uh, amp up. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those types of plans and one of those types of companies that caters to your individual needs. That's www.energytexas.com. Hey, I'm going to grab one real quick, uh, Blake. Tyler Davis yeah. on David Sanders, the offensive tackle out of Charlotte. He's not coming in this uh, Thursday or this weekend, by the way. Listen, 250. He's bigger than that now. And yes, I've heard uh, he will fit the 300 uh, uh, plus profile in time. It'll be like a Kelvin Banks, though. Kelvin Banks took a while to get to that point. All right. There you go. Well, thank you for answering that. And uh, before we get to the questions, and by the way, plenty of time to get those in. So please do. Bobby, I know you asked a question, a trivia question at that recently over on the community page on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. And um, I'm interested to see what everybody thought. Yeah, the question was, who was the first <laughs> Longhorn to be named Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year? This question comes from actually a user on, on Texas football that I knew way back in the day, Eric T. Arena. Who was it, guys? Corey Redding, Derek Johnson, Casey Hampton, or Earl Thomas? Well, folks said it was Derek Johnson, but actually, according to to the coaches, to the co Big 12 coaches, it was actually Casey Hampton. Uh, Jerry, you have some stats for his uh, defensive MVP award season that are pretty eye-opening. Still the best defensive lineman I've seen in in football in Texas in the high school level. I don't think I'll ever see anybody like him again, honestly. I think there's some of those guys that come around. He, The year he was uh, the defensive MVP of the Big 12, he only had 78 tackles. 18 tackles for loss and three and a half sacks, 24 quarterback hurries, 21 quarterback hurries. The crazy thing is the year before 1999, I have won. I've often argued it's the best defensive year in the history of Texas football for a player. He was a nose guard and had 101 tackles. <laughs> 21 tackles for loss, 24 quarterback hurries, and I think three and a half sacks as a nose guard. I don't think people understand, like, what kind of season that really is for somebody. To have 100 tackles and 24 quarterback hurries as a nose guard getting doubled the whole time. Now, Sean Rogers had 80 tackles, 27 for loss, and 24 uh, quarterback hurries in the same season. I guess that's why Texas was the number one defense in the country, probably. Yeah, I I, I, I uh, jokingly said, even Rod Babers can play defensive back behind that group. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell hey, Ron, Ron I didn't said that. catch any of those Eric passes. Come on. <laughs> oh man, that's insane. What a season for sure. But yeah, I was kind of with everybody else thinking Derek Johnson's. Well. I was too. But you go to the nine punch outs that year, right? Where he caused nine fumbles, which I think is still tied for an NCAA record. Yeah, that's insane. All right, guys. Well, let's get started with some questions. Our first one, Jerry, I know you kind of touched on this right when we started the show, uh, but it is a super chat. It's from KD35. I am the best. They want to thank him. And he says, with all the uh, the modern day kids coming to campus, where is Texas at? And is five-star stud linebacker Nasir Wyatt going to come in with them? I think Nasir's at Alabama this weekend. Um, I, I'd have to look at my Twitter. I think that's what he told me. Uh, but I'll look back on that. I think he's uh, – we'll see if Texas gets him in, if, if he gets those kids in during the season at any point in time. I know that September 30th weekend is when DeAndre Carter is coming in for an official visit. So we'll see if Texas gets any uh, of the other guys on campus for an unofficial game visit. But I know they're working on it. 
uh, because that's a date that works out for modern day. Uh, so we'll see if any of those underclassmen guys get back for a game this year. But obviously, Texas would love to get Nasir White on campus, but I believe it is Bama this weekend. Hey, I want to say this. This is a perfect example of just how talented modern day is. We're yeah. talking about a top two or three running back in the country, and on the other side of the ball, they have a five-star linebacker. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and by the way, Dan and they just offered a 2026. Texas just offered a 2026 edge right. earlier today. Sean Scott from Modern Day as well. So. And Brandon Baker, five star tackle, DeAndre yeah. Carter, and the senior <laughs> running back there is Alabama Oregon Battle. He was Oregon's number two running back on the board to Christian Clark, and he's not even the best running back on his team. <laughs> Jordan Davis is the best <laughs> running back on the team. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned DeAndre Carter, so that's going to lead us to the next question. And it's from Zbred, and he says, how is DeAndre Carter ranked 50th for one recruiting service, but number one for others? That's a huge discrepancy in his, in his opinion. It's a big discrepancy, and, and I don't really have the answer to that. Um, I mean, I, I would love to be able to answer that for you, but I don't have that answer. I think people just kind of see him in two different ways. They, they may see DeAndre Carter. There you see it there. Um, you know, some people may not see him as a big time, big time interior offensive line prospect um, just from maybe a length standpoint or something. But I think his arm length is OK. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a huge discrepancy, obviously. And um, I think he's uh, better than uh, where run ranking has him. I'll say that. I Look, I, I, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. I mean, we can talk. It's like DeAndre Robinson. Hopefully folks got a chance to listen to his interview on here um, earlier today. And if you don't, please, if you haven't, please check it out. He's another good young guy that Texas has brought into the program. But my point there is DeAndre Robinson, some people has a, a, have as a three-star. I, I don't know how else to tell you then that's just not, that's not accurate. Um, but at the same time, you have to wait for these rankings to come out. I am always one of those guys that says, wait until the final rankings. Yeah. Uh, because that's what really goes down. Five years from now, people aren't going to remember that a guy was a three star in August if he ended up a four star in December, like Jelani McDonald did. I'm, I'm just, they're going to remember he was a four star. And so uh, keep that in mind. There's only one final ranking, not multiple final rankings. Hey, Blake, we've had a few questions on um, Devin Sanchez. Yes. One, does Corey Gibson go into Clemson help with Sanchez? I don't think it matters. Um, Sanchez is at Texas A&M this weekend. He told me that today. I'd been asking him for a couple of weeks um, where he was going to be this weekend. He's at Texas A&M. I think he'll be at a Texas game this year. Obviously, he was at Texas in January. Um, in Texas, Texas A&M, Bama, every top national program is going to be in there fighting it out uh, for one of the top corners in the country in 2025. All right. So that answers those. Well, let's move on, guys. This next one comes from Peyton Ross. And he says, how involved will Texas be in the portal? Will we see Texas be the ones that are already in the works, quote unquote, for a guy like others have done in the past portal windows? I, I don't think there's any doubt they'll be involved. Um, I think the question will be how involved and what positions. Um, there are certain positions I can tell you right now I think they're going to be involved. Tight end. I don't think they, they – there's no way they don't take a tight end in the portal. If one that they think can help them presents itself or prevents, presents himself, uh, the other one uh, would be probably defensive tackle or edge if they can find one. Um, the, these positions are known 
You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a receiver out of the portal if they indeed lose four, just so they have some adults in the room. I mean, Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore look good. Don't get me wrong. Ryan Niblett has looked good, apparently. But you still need some older adults in the room. You have to have some juniors and seniors that have got 40 or 50 catches uh, behind them in a season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go with, with a receiver in the portal on top of that tight end. All right. Let's see. Our next question, guys, comes from Rodolfo Esquivel, and he says, why is Texas struggling to get five stars on the defensive line? I mean, you know, it's an interesting discussion, but Georgia just got Joseph Jonah Johnny out of Oak Ridge. He's not ranked a five-star. I think he should be. So, I mean, you know, Georgia's every guy, every guy these guys schools get aren't five-stars. There's not a lot of those guys. <laughs> Um, it kind of goes back to what Bobby said. And there's another question about um, is, is Bo Davis recruiting, I think, at, at SEC that we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, there's very few five stars on the defensive line to start. I mean, there's just – there's not a lot of those guys. And, you know, Texas is – people have to remember, Texas was 8-5 and five last year, and they were 5-7 and seven the year before. These kids have never seen Texas be a really good football team. And I think that's hard for some Texas fans to grasp. But what they have seen is the SEC's teams dominate. Grasp isn't the right word. Stomach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it it, may, it if you think about it, it makes you a little ill. But it, you're, you're right, Jerry. At, at the same time, look, what are there, five to seven five-star defensive linemen a year? Two or three are going to go to – or three or four are going to go be split between Georgia and, and Alabama at this point. Um, maybe more. Uh, I, I just feel like – to your point, Jerry, there's there's not that many to go around. They are in on guys. Uh, we mentioned Dominic McKinley. Uh, he's a possibility. Uh, Colin Simmons is an edge. He's a five-star. These guys, their recruitments just haven't played out yet. And so they're not struggling. They just haven't finished. No one's finished on those guys, though, right? Yep. It's not just Texas. Everyone. Everyone struggles except for maybe Georgia and Alabama to get five-star defense. Ohio State struggles to get five-star defense a lot. I mean, let's be real. Well, let's get to that question that uh, Jerry was referencing there. And it's a super chat from Mike Gosnell. I want to thank him. He says, is Bo Davis's defensive line recruiting considered to be SEC level as of now, in your opinion? We've seen elite level recruiting from Kyle Flood on the offensive line. Uh, my answer is yes. Alex January picked Texas over LSU. DeAndre Robinson picked Texas over Florida. Dominant McKinley's going to pick NSCC school. TJ Lindsay's going to Auburn or Texas. Um, I mean, Melvin Hills was Texas or Ole Miss, right? I mean, um, Texas is beating really good SEC programs for defensive alignment. I think people just look at the rankings and that's where they're done with it. But Texas went to Orlando and beat Florida for a guy that Florida is will fight for until he signs. Alex January is Texas or LSU. LSU wanted him. So, yeah, they are. I, I'll, I'll add to this, too. I mean, you think about Sadir Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, he's SEC level is one thing, but he went to New Jersey and, and got a guy that not only Georgia wanted, but Alabama, A&M, everybody wanted the guy. He ends up in Austin. I Look, I, I think that the question we have, is are the numbers going to be there? When they got DeAndre Robinson, I feel comfortable now where Texas sits going into the final stretch of recruiting. 
uh, at defensive line. Edge is still a question mark. They look good on, on guys, but it's not there yet. Uh, you know, otherwise, I, I feel really good about Texas recruiting class right now. All right. Well, let's jump over to another super chat. This one from Justin Yarbrough. I want to thank him as well. Over under Texas flips two and a half recruits by signing day. And who are some past players y'all knew that you wanted to go to Texas, but were never offered? Oh, boy. Uh. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> over under flips two and a half. I mean, that kind of depends on how many guys Texas gets here in August, um, how many games they win on the field. And who else may lose some games on the field? Some things that could happen, right? Coaching carousel. That's a lot that goes into it. Um, and then it comes down to what is if Texas has a guy they can flip versus a guy they can get out of the portal, they may not just take the high school kid in that scenario. So there's a, so much that plays into it. Um, Texas never offered. There's well, a one-one that they offered but didn't go after him. Go ahead, Bobby, because I got a I got a slew for about five year run here. <laughs> Andrew Luck. Texas. I was my number one, damn it. <laughs> he went one one. Andrew Luck and his dad go to Austin for an unofficial visit, and Mac Brown doesn't offer him because Garrett Gilbert, a year behind him, is leaning to Texas and probably already been promised. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the last 15 years of Texas football looks different. JT yeah. Barrett. Mac didn't want to upset Tyron Swoops' dad. But they soft offered. They they even soft offered Andrew Luck. Right. That that that's you know, there are half dozen. Uh, I mean, I mean, like, look, Johnny Manziel had some red flags, but he, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, the issue with Johnny Manziel was this: they had one more scholarship to give at defensive back. The quarterback position was was accounted for with David Ash, who was a pretty good prospect. Until concuss, yeah. Yep, sure. yep. Um, but the reality of it is Dwayne Aquina had to decide between Michael Thompson and Johnny Manziel as a safety. Yeah. Tough position to be in. Yeah. I mean, both of them ended up in it being NFL players. So yeah. if, but Dwayne Aquina's trying to solve a defensive back problem, whereas A&M just took Manziel as an athlete. Um, or, uh, people are asking RG three, he was uh, offered as an uh, athlete. Um, you know, um, that was a misevaluation by Larry Mc, Larry McDuff. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to throw a story out there I've never told before, because now seems like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> when, and I'm not putting this on Charlie Strong, but when Charlie Strong was hired at Texas, somebody called me and said, "What does Texas need to do to be successful in recruiting under Charlie Strong?" And I said, "Well, there's a quarterback at Allen, Texas, who's about as good as I've ever seen." And people think he's just going to go to A&M because his dad played there, Kevin Murray. And why I said what people don't understand is that's not actually the case. And I said, if Texas, I said, Texas, Daryl White and Major were recruiting him um, and had Texas in there. And I think, look, Kevin Murray's brother, Calvin Murray, played at Texas. Um, Texas didn't contact the Murrays for 100 days after Charlie Strong was hired, 100 days on the job. That's a story that hurts to this day because, you know, things like that flip. You, I don't think Texas had to be in the wilderness for a decade. They really messed up quarterback recruiting for a decade. Mm. On, on, 
You know, unquestionably. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, don't get Bobby started. <laughs> <laughs> it's all quarterbacks. His look just completely changed when you said that. <laughs> look, I here's who I here's who I compared Jalen Hurts to in high school. And people are gonna just say, What? I compared him to Percy Harvin because he could do everything, and he's nowhere the type of player. They're they're totally different, other than every time they were on the field, they were the best player on the field. And it didn't matter what position or how you put them on there. They're totally different mindsets, all that stuff. But I told Texas uh, and one of the, the assistants that who who knew Percy Harvin well, and they're like, oh, we don't see him being that successful. I'm like, look, I'm just telling you, Channel View doesn't, is an 0-11 team without Jalen Hurts. 2-9. and right. right. They don't go to the playoffs. Yeah. No that, that just doesn't no happen. Coaches and, will tell you that. Well, you know, and then, and then Alabama offered him. And then AM offered him. And all of a sudden he started getting traction late as a senior. I'm just like, too little, too late. Dad was a high school coach. Perfect profile to Texas from an intelligent standpoint. All of that stuff uh, did not get, get pushed on. There were quite a few. I want to say this, guys. Um, but and Calvin Murray is actually a member of InsideTexas.com, the former Texas baseball player. He uh he sent me a direct message last night after he saw the Devin DuVernay interview. You know, he is Devin's uncle. That's right. Yeah, so keep that in mind. The, the, Kyler Murray was not necessarily going to AM the whole no. way. No. Uh, but and ended up eventually at OU. But my point being, that is a ultra-talented family, uh, like ridiculously talented. But yeah. uh, anyways, lots of lots of uh, problems there, Justin, unfortunately. <laughs> lots of could have been for sure. A lot. I got. Uh, I need two Tylenol. Let's next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe McWaters preaches sometimes. Says if Texas establishes the pipeline to Florida, does that help or hurt Texas recruiting in the state of Texas? Um, no. If you win games, nothing hurts your recruiting. I mean, I hate that's the simple answer, but no, I don't think it does because look, uh, we've talked about this on the show before. I look, I'm a high school coach's kid. Y'all know where I come out on this. In my first. 12, 13 years in the business, I said, you got to recruit in-state, you got to recruit in-state, you got to take care of your state. But these kids are leaving the state. All these kids that are growing up in Texas now, they aren't from Texas, no different from in Florida. The, the population growth in Georgia, in Texas, in Florida has brought so many more prospects to this state. But that doesn't mean these kids grew up with AM and Texas jerseys on when they were two. They didn't, a lot of them. So it's, it's different now. I mean, Katrina, how many kids uh, went to school in Texas that would have gone to school in Louisiana? I mean, that's a lot of players, if you think back the last decade, of uh, Division One players that were ranked in a Texas top 100 in the state ranking. Uh, so recruiting's just changed. It's different. Kids go to more schools now, seven on seven. They go to more camps. It's really why the state of Florida struggled is for so many years, and Bobby can speak to this, kids in Dayton, Broward County, they didn't really leave the county. They didn't leave the state. But when 7-on-7 got started, and these kids, like somebody, a 7-on-7 coach down there told me when I used to live in South Florida, they said, these kids found out there was a world outside of Coral Gables. And I just think that's where we're at in recruiting now, is these kids know there's a world, right? And Texas has great facilities and a great program, A&M. 
has great facilities and should be a great program. But these kids don't necessarily grow up knowing that one, and they may not be from the state originally, too. And so, no, I my point is the Texas high school coaches don't have an argument that all the kids – you should only recruit kids in Texas because the kids in Texas aren't staying home. I mean, bottom line. I, I think that a pipeline to Florida only helps your recruiting with Agreed. players in Texas. Agreed. It makes, makes a, a, a scholarship offer from Texas more valuable within the state. It doesn't diminish it. Um, if you have blue chips – one of the top running backs in the country, one of the top defensive linemen in the country, we're ready to come over uh, from the state of Florida. That only increases the value. You know, you can say Texas offered Taylor Tatum and James Peoples, the running back out of uh, San Antonio. One of them went to OU, one of them went to Ohio State. It doesn't matter. You can say that. Texas prioritized the other right. two running backs before those guys even said no to Texas or had a chance to say no. I mean, Texas was very clear. And so... I feel like it helps because it does create some scarcity. And to Jerry's point, especially if you win. Yeah. Because then it starts, it's a snowball rolling downhill. You want to know how important winning truly is? Georgia just went to Conroe Oak Ridge High School and got two of the best prospects in the state and in America. When Alabama was running college football, even Georgia couldn't go to Oak Ridge High School and get those two kids. That's how much is impacted by wins and losses. And NFL draft picks. And NFL draft picks. Great. Both of them mentioned that. Both Justin Williams and Joseph Ajanye both mentioned uh, their, their production of NFL picks. That's great. But they're not the only ones that can put it, guys in the NFL. And I think Texas is headed in that direction. I'm hoping to speak actually tomorrow uh, with somebody named Matt Miller, who uh, handles ESPN NFL draft information. I'm going to do an interview with him and talk about Texas's prospects uh, because we, that's a that's a comment, Blake, you, me, Jerry. We've all talked about on this show uh, about how many NFL picks does Texas really have. I hope to kind of uh, pin Matt down and get get an answer from him. Hey, you actually have a twenty minute segment on that now. For years, you didn't. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> the winds are coming, people. <laughs> well, speaking of draft picks, this question kind of relates to that, and uh, it's from C Note, and he says, "Out of the upperclassmen, who can you see returning for another season to get an SEC resume under their belt?" I think the only guys that, if they're draft eligible, come back are guys that didn't have a season that, that they wanted to have. I mean, uh, look, I come at this a little different than most people. Um, if a kid, if kid, if Texas wins 10 games, guys are going to have really good seasons and their draft stock's going to go up. I think all those guys should go to the NFL draft. We just talked about it with these two guys from Oak Ridge, seeing that Georgia's had, what, 35 guys drafted in the last three years since they've been in high school, some insane number like that. The best thing for the Texas program right now would be win 10 games and have nine or 10 guys drafted. That is the absolute best thing that could happen for Texas. So as a Texas fan, I think everybody should want all these guys to be good enough to go pro because you're not going to win eight games if they're all good enough to go pro. You're going to win more games, and it's going to look really good to future recruiting classes for Sark and his staff. Because then player development, you can start saying player development too. That's three years of having Byron Murphy in your program, Tavondre Sweat, 
some of these guys that are going to get drafted. I mean, people are talking about was Texas recruiting SEC level on defensive line. They're going to have three guys drafted on the defensive line. None of them were five stars coming out of high school. Uh, Alfred Collins was close. Uh, he mentioned Keandre Cobert and Moro Jomo last year. Yeah. I, I Look, I agree with you, Jerry. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in it. I think that from my vantage point, I think the one guy that I think would be helped by continuing to improve his body and, and his size and just his overall level of ability is Baron Sorrell. Um, he'll be a junior, a true junior this year, come back for another year, try to get double-digit sacks in, an, in a league that has better offensive linemen. Right. Right, overall. Uh, that would be one he he because I, I bet he gets if he gets a draft grade it's going to be late later round and so he'll have something to prove Alfred Collins may have something to prove if, he, if the light bulb comes on there as we've talked about um, another guy I, I wrote down you mentioned Byron Murphy I can understand that how about Jonathan Brooks yeah I mean if Jonathan Brooks has 12 1300 yards there's a limited shelf life on running backs he may he may bolt he should but but he may also decide to come back and help. And, help and then there's a kid him. like Gavin Holmes who may be a little slight. He could have a really good year, and his feedback could be, you know, we'd like to love to see 175 instead of 165 pounds. I mean, it could be something like that. But uh, for Texas fans, hope they all have a decision to make. I that agree. Means, that means you just went 10-2 and two in the regular season probably. Probably leaving out the biggest one, and that's Quinn Ewers, by the way. Yeah. Um, where if he has one, he just needs to, he probably just needs to go because it's going to be that valuable to him. Yep. I, I agree. Well, Bobby, this next question is for you. But before I get to it, why don't you tell everybody out there about Energy Texas real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Energy Texas is a Texas-based uh, energy company uh, that helps you fight the big prices of big power. Uh, it's Texas Electricity Done Right. Check them out at www.energytexas.com or call them 855-461-1129. They have a flex plan going on right now that you can choose your energy plan each and every month. That's www.energytexas.com. And we certainly appreciate their sponsorship of the Tuesday night live stream. All right. Somebody football junk said Collins is not a draft pick. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything in his career. He's overhyped by Texas fans. I, let me say this. We're talking about guys having good years, but I will tell you this, that guy's very much on the NFL's radar. I know the guy that trains him who works Vaughn Miller Pass Rush Academy. We've had him on this show before. And the NFL scouts are saying if this guy has a good year, he could end up being a second or third round draft pick. So that's how much this stuff can change in a short amount of time. And, and it sounds ridiculous you saying that. It sounds like his previous performance. <laughs> it does. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. He's been, he, he played well his freshman year and that's been it. He, he got a little bit better last year, I thought, towards the end of the year in particular, but he still has a long way to go. So, but to your point, Jerry, if you have the talent, you have the talent. And you I mean, can't, I'm, people, have can't to realize, teach people have to realize about the NFL, they'll take a college basketball power forward that has upside and develop him as a tight end. They don't look at it like we necessarily look at it. It's true. Good point. All right. Well, our next question, like I said, Bobby, it is for you. It comes from Ekim, and he wants to know what you think of the potential Harbaugh suspension. I mean, I. <laughs> Please tell me that most coaches don't sleep over at a recruit's house. I mean, <laughs> that, that's what this stems from, right? Um, Netflix and chill. Yeah, no, I don't think <laughs> it was that. I, that's what the that's what the Ohio State fans called it. Oh, okay. 
my my point. And it was one of the funniest things on the message board I've ever read. Okay. Um, look, he is a, clearly a coach that always likes to, to go right next to the line and perhaps go over the top of it at times. And he openly does it, flaunts it. Um, at the same time, I mean, he's, he's a little, he can be a little sanctimonious, you know, the whole Bo Schimbeckler thing. And I, I don't know. I, I don't have a real, I don't have a real opinion there. Cause I just don't deal with him day in, day out. Um, I do feel like um, Pat Fitzgerald is another just sad situation. I mean, right. Uh, it's very sad. <laughs> I know. They're going to, they're going to give it to you, but these coaches, that think the rules don't apply to them, that's the real problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not – Pat Fitzgerald may be totally absolved of any wrongdoing here, but you can't create this culture and not think it, it, it carries a stench. One of the things going on at Georgia right now that's a real issue for me is the number of problems they have off the field despite winning. I mean, at what point do you say – you know, that's enough is enough. Now, uh, we'll see how where that goes in the future. But some, some, I mean, really terrible thing. I mean, a person died. A couple of people died because of uh, their drag racing culture there. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's a level here, guys. There, there has to be a, a, a sanity check at some point. I, I want to be clear. I was saying the night at a recruit's house would be a sanity check in my yeah. opinion. People under Seth understand. I was joking because that was on Ohio State message boards. That's what they were making fun of at the time and calling it. That's not me, but we're just having fun. But Blake correct up. I didn't I was even It was hilarious on the message board, though. I'll be honest. It was funny. All right, guys. This next one is the super chat from Bomb City Blue Jay. I want to thank him. And he says, question for Jerry or Bobby. Justin seemed to think that winning early could open us up to loads more five stars in 2024. What's your opinion on that? Um, I, I'm look, I'm I'm the season to me is more of 2025, 2026. Um, a lot of these guys, um, a lot of these guys are gonna have their decisions made. I mean, I, I you know, look, I the reality is. Guys that are in Georgia's number one class or Ohio State's number two class, these five-star guys, they're not exactly going to peel. I mean, I, I don't see that. Um, I think the guys uh, Texas is in on, Dominic McKinley's going to make a decision before his senior season. Um, I think he'll be comfortable with the decision he makes. Uh, Ryan Wingo may or may not. Colin Simmons seems to be trending towards uh, a decision before his senior season. I just think these guys are going to make decisions. Maybe Kobe Black does early in the season. We'll see. These kids' timelines are changing right now. Um, there's more pressure to get this done before their senior season starts. So I've always said the season on the field helps you in the class or two after uh, more than it does the class that is in. And Texas is loaded in state in 2025. I will say this, Jerry. So not so much five stars, but does a great season per chance increase their chances with Micah Hudson? Possibly. Okay. So that my, my question here is who Justin meant by loads. Yeah. Does it help with Ryan Wingo, who they're already in on? In on. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Ori, uh, Ori Williams. Does that help? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, and I know he's not a five, but there's, there's guys that are on that fringe maybe. Right. 
that we need to to consider. I, I don't know about loads, though, just for the record, in 2024. To um, and by the way, there could be some five stars not ranked coming out of high school in the portal that your season on the field really helps you with. Just remember that. I think a season can help you in the portal more than it can in high school recruiting. At well, hey, think about that. That's a great point. They see JT Sanders leaving, a tight end does. Right. Well, <laughs> I, hey, that guy just caught 100. If I'm raising my hand if I'm in some stuck, yeah. in, stuck in the mud offense. Yeah, Sanders I mean, is so The tight end at Texas is leaving after catching 110 passes in two years. Yeah, like you said, raise my hand. Yeah, exactly. pick me pick me pick me <laughs> all right guys let's knock out one other super chat this one from zachary delgado and uh, he says is the lack of top tier linebacker recruiting in the 24 class due to the fact of not wanting to play behind anthony hill or other reasons um I, other reasons i think texas was targeting we're looking at a class of one linebacker for sure maybe they stretched it to two if they absolutely got the two top targets well they just haven't got those guys. Ty Anthony Smith committed to Texas A&M from Jasper. Justin Williams just committed to Georgia from in-state. I mean, the reality is the top two guys in-state, Texas didn't get, and they're not really – they weren't willing. And if if for people have followed Sark, he doesn't really back off those guys. They'll go back in and try to recruit Ty Anthony Smith during the season. Um, I don't think Justin Williams they have a shot at, but they'll try to go in with Ty Anthony Smith and recruit him. Um, instead of moving down, you know, he turned down a couple of kids that visited that committed elsewhere. They didn't push to get those in the boat. So I think having a really good linebacker class the year before is allowing Texas to be selective in 2024 and knowing there's some really good backers in the state in 25 and six. Yeah, the, the reality of it is they they gave a max number of one at linebacker this year. Yeah, because in part because they like who they got last year. Let, let's be clear. Uh, Leonga LaFau has looked good. Anthony Hill has looked good. Uh, then you add in uh, Darian Collette, who may end up at edge. You add in Samaje Burrell. Uh, even a Jelani McDonald may, may you know. That, that's a great point. D Darian Gillette, right? You just don't know what these guys are going to play yet. So they're probably looking at somebody. Dennis Donaldson said Texas took six linebackers in 2022. They could theoretically have five or six guys that they think could play linebacker, depending on how this class is kind of uh, maximizes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a bad. I, I think that we saw what their their game plan was when they brought in two Californians and didn't push. Yeah, they said let's retrench. Yeah. If there's a special one out there, let's go after him. It, it, and that's a great point because we know how much Sark wants to have a footprint in Southern California, and they turned yeah. down a couple of guys. Yeah. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, so this next question is from Ski Breck, and he says, thoughts on the upcoming pool party and focusing on 2025 while the rest of college football is closing on 24 guys. Well, I, I think it's a great topic, but I, and I, but I think there's two parts to this. Texas loves the official visit weekends in June, and I don't think many schools compete with them well in that. And I think some schools know that um, 
they, they have a hard time competing on a back-to-back official visit weekend in your college town or city versus a family coming into Austin. Even if it's a thousand degrees, it's still going to be 999 degrees in your town. So um, with the towns, these kids are with schools, these guys will be recruiting. So I, I, I think it's this, that's what makes this job so much fun to me besides going out and seeing the kids and really uh, um, just seeing the players in adversity and seeing the guys be great and, and talking to coaches about them and everybody is the strategy. There's still a lot of strategy that goes into this. I think Texas has for Texas really good strategy. The June official visit weekends. Look, they've had 13 kids commit out of those official visits. They'll probably end up with 19, 20 of those kids committed that were all, that officially visited Texas. Maybe that many. It may take some time for a couple of them, but. Uh, you know, then schools want that last weekend in July. You get a month after this June official visit process. They know these kids are going to be deciding before their senior season starts, and they want the last swing. So I think it's actually really fun part of recruiting right now. I think the other part is when some of these kids made official visits to Texas, maybe Texas had enough foresight to know these. some of these kids are going to move their timelines up, and we want to get the official visit knowing some of these kids are going to end up moving their timelines up. So you're competing on official visit with the parents um, versus an unofficial visit weekend. And there's a slight differences there, even in today's recruiting. But I just think I, I think Texas likes where they their position as far as uh, their recruiting calendar. Um, and I think, you know, look, I think Texas A&M having the last weekend in July is, is good strategy going against Texas. And I think Texas' strategy is good going against AM. and So I think they both actually have good strategy when looking at competing with each other, if that makes sense. All right. This next one is a little more team-oriented here, and it comes from Justin LeBeck, and he says, what happens if Mitchell gets more touchdowns and more yards than Worthy? Does that mean that Worthy needs another year, or will he be drafted still? Um, I think the only way – Xavier doesn't go pro as if he's injured and just has a really bad year, like 40 catches would be a bad year for him. Um, I think he's, he's, he's got a singular mindset right now about going pro. Um, whether AD Mitchell gets more catches and TDs than worthy, I don't think matters that much. Um, because I, look, I think both those guys should be 60, 65 plus in catches uh, Mitchell is going to be more of a red zone target. Let's be clear. That's what he was at Georgia. That's what he should be because he's he's got just tremendous body control and size in the red zone in particular. Um, and so, I, look, I think you can't run as fast as Xavier. If, if you're healthy and you run as fast as Xavier Worthy, you're most likely going to – and can cut like he can simultaneously. You're going to get drafted. How high is a different question. But, you know, he's going to go try to make make some real money in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I think that's to be expected for sure. All right, guys. Well, this next one is a super chat, more of a comment. Yeah. Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier from yeah. Freelance Society. Uh, he said, graduated with Andrew Luck. Couldn't believe Texas didn't recruit him. Also love Sam McGuffey. Maybe the most excited high school player or exciting high school player I've ever seen. Sam started YouTube craze with, with football players. In high yeah, with the jumping over the cars. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and then hurdling people on Friday nights and putting it on YouTube. Um, hey, I got to say this. Here's one, Jerry, for you. If he graduated with Andrew Luck, I think it would have been 2003 or 2004. 
state quarterfinal game, Stratford versus, I believe it was Clements in Sugarland. It was Andrew Luck versus Derek Carr. Before Carr moved to Fresno for his senior year. Yeah. Just remember that that was a, a game that not many people will remember, but two long term NFL yep. quarterbacks going at it down in suburban Houston. Yep. And Sam McGuffey, for people that don't remember, started at Michigan. His career at Michigan ended up at Rice, I believe. Yep. He did. He now coaches hurdling. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got another super chat. This one from Kale Sherrod. Uh, he says, who are y'all's top five college football wide receivers of all time? Keep up the good work and hook them. That's an interesting question. Can it, does it just wide receiver or just returns factor in? Like, that's tough. I mean, like, Andre Johnson was a total freak at Miami. Like, there haven't been many guys mm -hmm. that big that fast. I mean, like. Calvin Johnson was at Georgia Tech. I mean, like, he was a total freak. Randy Moss, somebody brought up, Jay the Activist, who said he was high school teammates with uh, Jalen Hurts, by the way. Um, um, he still has bruises. Uh, Randy Moss is a great one, Bobby. Best one I've seen. Desmond Howard. Mm. I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you who was electric. It was Peter Wark in college. Yeah. Peter Wark and Randy Moss came out the same year. Yep. Uh, one was from West Virginia. The other was from, I think, Bradenton Southeast. You got it, Bradenton um, Southeast. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was one of, the, I think that was my second year ever covering recruiting. That's yeah. give, that gives you an idea. Um, those guys are are legitimate. Um, uh, I mentioned I thought Devonte Smith as a pro productive player as a senior. Um, I'm not sure from a single season effort I wouldn't put him in there. There's another guy that I wrote down that not many people are going to remember, but had a unbelievable year. And he was at Louisiana Tech. A guy named Troy Edwards. Oh, yeah. Went to the Steelers. Yeah. yeah, played for the Steelers. He was a phenomenal college football player. Because like Desmond Howard, their, their abilities didn't necessarily transfer to the pros as well because they weren't as big. They didn't have the freaky, all that other stuff. But, boy, they had glue for hands. They ran for days, competitive. I like those guys. Somebody said David Boston, hell of a player at Ohio State. No doubt. It's a interesting because it's hard to compare. It's almost like golf to me because, like, technology and golf. Guys hit the ball so far. But the game offensive, the rules have changed so much. The speed, tempo and speed of the game. You kind of look at Julio Jones, somebody said. That's a great one. But you kind of look at what would um, – Roy Williams look like in the college game today when he's just spread out there and it's harder to double him and things are moving really fast. I mean, so it's, you know, the space game, I think Peter Wark would have been even better today than he was back in the day at Florida state because the game's played in space and it's played at such a quick tempo. And he had the best dead leg shoulder I've ever seen. I think the three best, most intimidating physical wide receivers I've seen are Calvin Johnson, yeah. Randy Moss, and Andre Johnson. Yeah. Julio Jones very well could be in that category too. Yeah. I would put I actually would expand the list to four to include Julio Jones. Yeah. Des Bryant, another good one. Yep. 
All right. Well, let's get <laughs> some, to some, <laughs> some Ryan team. Nelson. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> some team related questions here. Uh, the first one from Steve Sedarius, and he says, "Do you still expect the defense to be ahead of the offense in fall camp if Quinn has improved like we've been hearing?" Yes, I, I will expect that until Quinn is actually completing 65-70% of his passes. That's just, I, yeah, that's the way it is. I, I think the defense is always ahead. Uh, somebody brought Michael Crabtree. Um, so I think the defense is always ahead of the offense, though. I mean, it's like summer conditioning. Um, I just think it takes an offensive line longer, even if they've played together. I, I, I just I think defense is always ahead of offense to start a season. And I think that's probably the case in basketball, too. When the Texas basketball team started practicing last year, their defense was ahead of their offense, and then you start to get in your flow. I, I don't know. I might be wrong. That's just the way I kind of perceive it. Well, I think I think the reality of it, too, is they know the plays. Yeah. I mean, they've seen these plays 100 times. Uh, and so it, it gives off that that look and can sometimes be deceiving to the your own coaches. I mean, they the, the safety looks really good against his own offense, but when it's something new, he doesn't process as well. I mean, you take a guy like Earl Thomas, who I said, I think on Sunday, Will Muschamp told me he was studied the year that he registered at Texas. He was the first guy in the film room, the last guy to leave. Team room, meeting room, whatever. He was studying the game more so than the guys who were starting were. So my point is, Knowing that about Earl Thomas, you think he didn't have an advantage in practice knowing every single thing about the guys he went up against and their body movements, if that's the way he studied tape? He knew from the guy, the way a guy stuck his foot in the ground what he was going to do probably. I mean, so defense definitely has an advantage, like Bobby said. Yeah. Well, talking about Quinn, the next question is actually about him as well, and it comes from Albert Pola. And he says, has Quinn been connecting on the deep ball Did uh, Blake freeze there? Maybe God. a little bit. You want me to re-ask that question? Yeah, I, I think I've got it. Has Quinn been connecting on the deep ball more consistently in seven-on-seven -seven workouts? Uh, the answer is yes, uh, not only from talking to Quinn at media days, but also uh, uh, hearing some stuff behind the scenes. The reality of it is he has more guys that can run deep right now. Nayor's back. Mitchell is a different kind of target deep than anybody else. Uh, Worthy has gotten better. Jay the activist has a question for right up Bobby Burton's alley. <laughs> ah, who is the best defensive back to ever play at Texas? So this would get, there's like a pre my arrival at Texas when I, I, I graduated in 92 guys. And then there's after. So pre, I think there are two people that most people would say. Jerry Gray, who's out of Lubbock, yeah. and Johnny Johnson, who was out of LaGrange. Those two guys were consensus All-Americans, great players, you know, et cetera. There may be some others in there that some older guys are thinking of. That, But in the 70s, those were kind of the, the – in 70s and early 80s, those were kind of the two guys. Jerry Gray is famous for running down Bo Jackson, by the way. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how fast he was. And Bo didn't slip. Yeah. <laughs> post post uh, that, my time, like 1992 and on, I would go with Earl Thomas. Yeah. I think he was the most, com 
while I love Quentin Jammer, uh, I think he, you know, 10, what, 12 year pro in the NFL, Jerry? Quentin Jammer. Yeah. yeah Jammer. Yeah. Westbrook was really good. Um, Stanley Richard was good uh, when I was around. There were, there's a, there's been a half dozen. Michael Griffin, I thought was a terrific player. Michael Huff, Aaron Ross, Terrell Brown, Cedric Griffin, all, Kenny Vaccaro, Quandre Diggs. But if I had to pick one, yeah. I'd pick Earl Thomas. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the Hall of Famer of the, this group. Brains and ability. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not talking about off the field, by the way, because he's done some things that everybody is, you know, is like shake your head at. But on the field, he was, whether it's because of his film study, like Jerry thinks, uh, or has said, or his just innate ability to know where the football is going to be. He was a football player, no matter what size he was. Uh, yeah. Tyler Davis says we have a funny question just to see what Bobby would say or not say. Bobby, <laughs> omitting names for reasons. What's the most illegal thing you've heard and know happened for a fact pertaining to recruiting a player? <laughs> this is all Jerry's fault, Bobby. I wouldn't ask this question. <laughs> um. <laughs> Wow. Can you can you say it without giving away who it Let's is? Let's just be clear. Most illegal. I mean, there's just illegal, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't know what to say on that, guys. <laughs> I mean, the first time, I, I don't know if y'all remember, uh, there's a guy, Albert Means. Oh, boy. Out of Memphis Trezevant. Yeah. Uh, he had some, I mean, he, he, was, a, he was one of those. Um, that I may have gotten multiple teams on probation. Yes, I think. Uh, but my there's been a few guys. <laughs> not sure. I mean, just holy cow. I mean, back in the day, it was. Now at least there's nil, and you can, you can justify what some of what you hear potentially. But back in the day, I mean, it was. I think some of the funniest recruiting stories I've heard are a college putting a kid in a hotel. And the area recruiters in the room next to him at the hotel for like four days until signing day and literally hiding a guy out and making Shababi just went away. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want any part of this. And, and, and that the assistant coach that's recruiting the kids in the hotel room right next to him, making sure the kid doesn't leave or talk to anybody else. I, recruiting in the eighties. And it, it was a lot of fun from all the, uh, Marcus Dupree. There you go. Uh, from all the stories I hear, it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh man. Right. Well, hopefully we'll get Bobby back here soon, but in the meantime, Jerry, this next question comes from JK, JK. Great question. Most- most underrated recruit in the Texas 24 class currently? Oh, I'll answer for Bobby, my hat, uh, Christian Clark. Um, and I agree with that. I think Christian Clark, even though he's ranked 260 in the country, I have a feeling is more of like a top 75 type of guy in the country. Um, and I think it, it, it's interesting because he plays safety. He had 45 tackles. He rushed for 700 yards. He caught 37 passes for about 380. But he didn't put up 2,500 yards rushing. So I think he's being a little undervalued because his lack of carries production. But if you look at his production as a player, 
I mean, it's it's kind of it's very impressive. I don't care if people say he's playing in Arizona or not. People said that about Bijan. Um, but Christian Clark is probably the most underrated guy in the 24 class for Bobby and I would say. Um, DeAndre Robinson may play his way into it this year. I mean, you talk about 90 tackles, 18 tackles for loss and nine sacks in a schedule that had Duncanville, Cedric Baxter, Baxter Edgewater twice, West Orange, um, Apopka, Wakiva. I mean, there's power five guys on every field DeAndre Robinson played on last year at the teams they played. So DeAndre played against some really good competition in high level of uh, 6A Florida high school public school ball that people don't know. I'm intrigued by uh, Jordan Washington. Yeah. Um, And of all the guys, there's one or there's two that I'm absolutely 100% sure of are rated too low. Okay. At least two, maybe three. If you had DeAndre Robinson, Daniel Cruz, Robinson and Christian Clark. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about all the others and have whatever talk that way, but those three, in my opinion, are all underrated. Yeah. And likely will end up rated higher by the end of the year. Mike Gosnell has a great question, by the way, on recruiting. Oh, let me find it here. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Jerry Bobby, do you see Texas stretching the recruiting footprint to the Northeast, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, or has Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State pretty much locked that down? I I think this is a great question because um, I think a lot of Texas fans just want to recruit nationally no matter what. Um, I, I, I think you can – Cherry pick a little in Virginia. I mean, sorry, in Jersey, because Kyle Flood has connections there, right? Sadir Mitchell, right? Kyle Flood is really has some connections. He was the head coach at Rutgers. Yeah, he he's from there, right? New York City area. So he's got long-standing connections up there. Bo Davis has recruited up there at Bama, right? And uh, other places. So Texas has guys on staff who've recruited the places like that. But I, I think Texas's blueprint moving forward is California. Arizona, Texas, and East. Um, could you dabble in Virginia in the, the 757? Maybe, but those kids really t- tend to go Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Michigan from there, or they just come to Georgia right now or Clemson. I mean, it, it, you know, and it, it, so it's tough. I mean, it's tough to recruit that region consistently. Maryland, I mean, look, Texas has dabbled in Maryland a little bit, but again, those kids tend to go Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan from that region. I actually think it's easier for Texas because they're moving into SEC to stay in the southern states. But if there's a one area that I would like Texas to, to see Texas do more in, it's St. Louis and Kansas City because Oklahoma's had so much success there. Those kids don't really have a home base to go to. So they're really open. And those kids are all growing up SEC fans. Let's, let's think about it more like this, Jerry. Um, if you would uh, think about it as a freeway recruitment, mm-hmm. I-10 all the way west to L.A., yep. Orange County, anything below I-10, okay? I-20 and I-10 east yep. and everything below it. So once you get into Florida, everything below it down into Orlando, Bradenton, Tampa, all that area, okay? Then you go I-35 north. Okay, you go up through Oklahoma City uh, into Wichita, I think hits Kansas City. 
you spot that you spot yeah. a little bit in Arkansas spot a little bit. I mean, that that's really what we're talking about. It's, it's that kind of idea. One area is not necessarily Pennsylvania, Maryland, or Virginia that I would like to see Texas do more in. And it's where all of their best players, not all, but 90% of their best players leave state is Illinois. And they actually have 10, 15 guys a year that are good enough to play at Texas, Alabama, yeah. Florida, wherever. I would like to see Texas do more, St. Louis, and then go north. Uh, somebody asked who won the Duncan, Duncanville, uh, Orlando Jones. I mean, Duncanville beat him by 30. I mean, Jones is a good team. It was 11-3 and three in, in the state of Florida. But Duncanville is a totally different animal. I mean, I, I think it was 49-21 or 44-21, yeah. uh, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, look, Duncanville really has to go out west and play modern day and those people that really – find teams that are match their talent level. Okay. Well, we have a, another super chat guys. This one from poke casino. He says, who's the first receiver with 10 touchdowns Ooh. for the season. First defensive player with five interceptions or force fumbles for the year. That's a great question. Um, 10 TDs for the season. Receiver. Yeah. That could be tied into that could be Jay Sanders. Um, I'm going with A.D. Mitchell on that one, Jerry. I think the red zone ability puts him at a pretty good spot. Yeah. They they get him going early on the deep stuff, come back in the red zone. Um, first defensive player with five interceptions or forced fumbles. Well, last year that certainly would have been Jalen Ford. Um, this year I'm going to go with J Jade Barron. Uh, I think he's going to be in a position to maybe do a little bit more uh, this year. All right, this next question is going to make Texas fans kind of, you know, it, it ain't going to be good if this happens. But Jerry and Bobby, what does the season look like if Jonathan Brooks gets banged up and can't play? Can we somehow survive with the young, inexperienced running backs? We got. Uh, don't forget about Keelan Robinson, guys. He started in the, the Alamo Bowl. I know he's not the guy, but he's a piece of it. You add in other pieces. Cedric Baxter is going to be a piece of this this year. Jaden Blue has looked better. I don't think he's a guy uh, still to this point. Um, and so, look, what is it, what is it going to look like? It won't look as good with Jonathan Brooks in it, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I think they'll be fine. And Savion Red's a wild card. Yes, complete and utter wild card. Okay, well, we got time for about two more questions, guys. This first one. Uh, hey, uh, Blake, before we do that, I yes. need to say thanks. One final thank you to our sponsor. Yes. Energy Texas. Energy Texas, www.energytexas.com. It's Texas Electricity Done Right. Give them a call at 855-461-1129. They have a flex plan that allows you to change your program and your selection each and every month to fit your needs. Now that's www.energytexas.com. Texas Electricity Done Right. Thank you for your sponsorship. All right. The first question. Is going to come from E. Kim, and I've been saving it for the end. Jerry and Bobby, the best non-bowl performance Texas Longhorns team you've seen also is the most important trait for a football prospect, the mental evaluation. Non-bowl performance by a Longhorn team. Hmm. Um, maybe Texas beating Ohio State on the road. Ohio State was really – the year Texas won the national title, I mean, Ohio State was really, really good. 
really good. I just think it may be 2008 Texas OU. I think that's a good one, Blake. Yeah. Um, the most dominating against a decent team was Texas versus Missouri. That uh, that National 08 times. year. Oh, the 08 year, yeah. Yeah, when they just, I mean, I, 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 mean, was, I mean, they were up 35 to nothing at half. I mean, I, maybe we're missing the most obvious. 70 to three in the Big 12 title game over Colorado. Oh, wow. I that mean, was, that was like Tiger Woods winning Pebble by 15 shots. I mean, Colorado wasn't that bad of a team. I agree. No, it's a good one. Um, mental evaluation. I've said this before. Um, so, okay, I like seeing really good players in adverse situations, but it's hard to find that on Friday night. So I'm at Fort Bend Marshall this morning for a workout. Seeing how some of those top prospects handled that workout when nobody's watching. It's not Friday night. Nobody's in the stands. The cheerleaders aren't chanting. The band's not playing. Moms aren't watching and all their friends. How hard are you working when nobody's watching is a big one for me. And in a game situation, I've said this before. A lot of times I like going to see a kid if I think they're going to lose. Because then you find out if they're coachable. Are they throwing helmets? How do they handle it? Because it is, it doesn't mean it's a none of this stuff is a hundred percent. It's never gonna be exact science, but you can tell in my years doing this, if a guy is not coachable, he's not responsive when things are going bad, some of those kids don't turn the corner. And you can see that you don't see that up 40 nothing. Hey, Blake, I want to ask this question from the uh, Inside Texas message board real quick. Uh, Roundheads asked, will A&M be able to keep all the high four-star and five-star defensive tackles they've recruited the past few years? Could that be a position we look at in the portal next year? Well, I mean, look, they were successful in doing so this year, uh, but they did lose a five-star defensive end to USC in Anthony Lucas. Um, I think that you know, the question I have is, are some of those guys going to go pro? Is Shamar Turner out of there? Yes. This year, right? And so I don't know that they're going to lose a uh, Shamar Stewart or a Walter Nolan or um, Gabriel Dendy, uh, yeah. Brownlow Dendy. I don't know that they're going to lose those guys, but there's going to be some attrition uh, over time. Uh, but they certainly, in my opinion, uh, have a tremendous uh, defensive front right now. Uh, maybe the best they've ever had. And, and that goes back a long, long time. All right, guys. Last question for tonight. And this one is from Alan Barrera. And he says, what's the position group poised to have the best season? He's going to go with the wide receiver group with the corners not too far off. What do you all think? I'm all in on the wide receivers. I'm with you. I I think they – look, you have proven commodities, three proven commodities, a fourth proven commodity in Isaiah Nayor, who's just coming out of injury. I mean, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jordan Whittington can all play at a high level on this level, okay? Isaiah Nayor, he had 12, 12 touchdowns as a sophomore, Jerry. Yeah. He can play. The question is, are they going to be able to get the ball to him? Is Quinn going to be effective? And can they protect the passer enough 
and get a run game going enough to take some, you know, eyeballs off of those guys so they have more room to run. I've got this. I've got a, one that people don't like to talk about, but I'm I'm going a little different direction because I think I agree on wide receiver. I think special teams is going to have a monster season because they got a lot of guys back. You added a punter that has four years starting uh, or three years starting at Stanford. Keelan Robinson was close to popping one. Keelan Robinson also blocks punts. I think the athletes with kick coverage. Um, I think Xavier Worthy is close um, on there. He may get a good big return this year. But you add Joe D. Camillus with Jeff Banks. Steve uh, Nick Saban hated losing Jeff Banks to Texas as much or more for the special teams perspective versus the tight ends perspective. And that's a compliment to Jeff Banks, by the way. I think special teams may be as good as Texas has had in a while. I don't know what Bobby thinks, you guys think. I think it's a great point. Look, I want Texas to run a fake punt once or twice this year and succeed. Yeah. That would have, if they could have done that against Texas Tech, they could have done that against Oklahoma State. I mean, those are different ball games. Great point. And when you start recruiting five, top five classes back to back, it really shows up when those kids are young and developing on special teams in some roles. You're not just seeing Brennan Schooler run down the, the thing streaking down there. You're seeing two or three guys getting down there about the same time. Right. That's, that's great point. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. Of course, we want to thank uh, Energy Texas, as always, for sponsoring on Tuesday nights. All of our Super Chats, KD35, I Am The Best, Mike Gosnell, Justin Yarbrough, Bomb City Blue Jay, Freelance Society, Kel Sherrod, Zachary Delgado, Jerry King, and Pope Casino. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe for more of the best Longhorn coverage. We would really appreciate it. And be sure to check out InsideTexas.com for all the latest Longhorn news. Right now, it's $10 for one month or one year for $100 at InsideTexas.com. And uh, for Bobby and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.